Hi there, and welcome to the Talking Local Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Cronin, and in this podcast, we'll be talking to marketing leaders in all kinds of industries, from food and beverage, to franchising and charity, automotive, hospitality, retail, and beyond. The thing all these sectors have in common? They all operate through local partners, and that can bring certain challenges, but also significant opportunities. It's all about harnessing the power of your local partners to work together, bringing your brand to life locally, increasing sales, driving engagement and building consistency. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, well, I'm very excited to uh, welcome you all to our third Talking Local podcast. Um, Today, we're going to be discussing the secrets of successful local brand implementation and activation in the real estate sector, if if you're uh, across the pond or if you're in the UK, I guess we would be talking about um, a state agency. So um, some of the subjects we're going to cover today is including the, 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 the value of local marketing for estate agent uh, brands uh, within the real estate sector and how to deliver that value consistently and effectively across multiple decentralized local partners. So we're hoping to uncover some ideas on how to fully immerse those local partners in your brand, uh, how to leverage the value of those local partners, make marketing easier for them, and how you can engage your local audiences uh, in a way that puts your brand ahead of every, ahead of everyone else. Um, we'll give you some ideas to engage your local partners, get them working as an extension of your marketing team. So um, let's start off today by introducing the panel and the key marketing trends that they're seeing in that estate agent sector. So um, from my perspective, uh, I'm Peter Cronin uh, from We Are Acuity. We've been supporting brands that operate across multiple decentralized locations for over 20 years. Um, during the pandemic over the last sort of few years, we saw this rapid digitization of the sector due naturally to the pandemic. Um, but as we've returned back to, 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 to normality, we're seeing a much more sort of blended world where physical and digital experiences are coming together to, to offer the best to everyone. Um, so I'm now going to in- introduce our, our panel. So um, Simon Ledbetter and Jonathan Hanford. So Simon, you're um, a marketing consultant from Unchained Marketing. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, as uh, Peter says, my name's Simon. I founded Unchained Marketing January this year, so a relatively new business. My background is almost purely in marketing, most recently in property at Fine and Country, Knight Frank and Countrywide, before that in the media and financial services industries. Uh, Basically, my business now, we essentially help smaller businesses or fast growth businesses through fractional virtual CMO. So we go in as a part-time consultant to help businesses that wouldn't want to afford a full-time senior CMO to do it as a part works. Um, and that's what my business does. Fantastic. And um, tell me a bit about what you've seen, uh, ideally around your, your expertise in, uh, in, uh, in real estate. What, what have you sort of seen over the last few years? What are the current sort of trends? Well, it's been, I'm sure Jonathan will speak to this very strongly. It's been a very strange market uh, with everything that's going on with the pandemic. Um, and the way working practices have changed and um, the way estate agents have been actually been operating. But the thing that has been consistent for me and really talking from a purely marketing perspective 
is the power of brand. Um, you often see a relationship between how a brand is performing and how many customers a brand will ultimately get. But I haven't seen a correlation as strong as the one I saw in real estate. It's a really powerful relationship between how big your brand is and how many customers you'll get over time. Um, you see that in other businesses, you see that in other brands, but I was in the fortunate position of seeing it across multiple brands and multiple segments of the market. And it was such a strong relationship. It really showed me and the people then I worked for, we need to invest in our brand big time if we want to grow our customer numbers. Um, apart from that, it's been, and John will probably speak to this, an incredibly frenetic market with everything that's going on with pandemic, shutdowns, lockdowns and all that stuff. Um, but for me, the key lesson is the importance of brand has really shone through in this period. Fantastic. Excellent. And uh, Jonathan Hanford. So I'm right. You're a non-exec uh, director of uh, Fine and Country. Have I got that right? Correct. Excellent. Well, yeah. Would you like to just uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, so I guess my um, my role within the sector is quite nuanced, although I sit on the board as a non-exec director with Fine and Country. I guess typically they are a marketing business. They sell licenses to good local estate agents to then operate with that license in their local area. And I, also, I sit on the board, but I also own a number of licenses and I also work on the coalface as an estate agent. So I can give you a really good perspective from a from a number of different angles as to, as to how this sector works, um, you know, and to, to, to reinforce what what Simon's just said, the importance of brand is incredibly important for confidence with the consumer, um, for being able to tackle certain parts of the market. You know, if you are uh, trying to trying to portray yourself as an expert in a certain sector, sometimes brands are geared up for you to be able to attack that part. Um, so, uh, yeah, very fortunate to, to work alongside Finding Country and for, for me to be an ambassador of that business. Fantastic. And how exactly were you impacted in, uh, you know, across the last sort of few years with lockdowns and, and this kind of thing? Yeah, quite significantly, the... Uh, the evolution of the industry for me has been incredibly dramatic from the point where I started as an estate agent where we didn't use the internet. There was no such thing as property portals. Um, you had a newspaper advert and a, a, a box of cards on the corner of your desk and you know you married purchasers and sellers up by, by, by telephone calls and telephone calls only. And then you've seen a, a significant change with the use of the internet for how you advertise properties, how you reach buyers. And then all of a sudden you've got this evolutionary leap of social media where you're doing video productions in order to be able to capture somebody's attention really quickly and maybe even bring somebody to the drawing board that maybe wasn't even thinking of looking just by capturing their attention with a, with a video production. And we were quite ahead of the pace with that, I would say, prior to the pandemic. But the pandemic meant that everybody had to follow suit because, of course, people were discouraged from doing physical appointments. And it was government guidelines that a prospective purchaser must have made all digital chances to be able to investigate a property prior to actually seeing it physically. So all of a sudden, even agents that weren't doing video production, their hand was forced in order for them to be able to go down that that route and um it, it's been quite a significant cultural shift in the way that we're working i think it was going to happen to our sector eventually 
but it's kind of forced forced its hand to happen sooner. And of course, now with the likes of Zoom and Teams and other video calling functionality, you've you know you can reach more people quicker in a more efficient and expeditious manner than ever before. And you know I think that's vastly improved our efficiency as an industry. Absolutely, yeah. And so I mean, some of the some things that were forced on us in the pandemic have sort of drifted away, whereas other things have stuck because of the significant value that they bring. Um, and I guess some of that sort of digital um, sort of experiences that can be done in reaching a wider audience and giving people more visibility um, is definitely one that's sort of staying really. Fantastic. OK, so if we it was interesting, John, when you were you were talking really about, um, you know, going back many years before property, property portals and various things like that, that a lot of this stuff was done, you know, with probably a, a, a sort of a black book of people and, and a telephone, really. And obviously, you know, the world becoming more digital has has um, transformed things. But the value, I guess, of the local estate agent as being well connected, uh, understanding the local area and the community and being a, a relationship builder is, I guess, still a very significant element of, of value to them. And I suppose it's important that, you know, with these various sort of technologies and things that are arriving, that, that, that the really good estate agents don't lose that sort of point as a sort of a fulcrum in the in the in the local community sure look um prop tech and its introduction has enabled agents to become more efficient with what they do and we can reach more people in a quicker fashion what it will never take away is the necessity for uh an agent to be the facilitator of the relationship between the buyer and the seller the problem solver um, the person that will uh, translate things between the two parties when they can be quite emotional and possibly do or say the wrong thing. And, you know, it, I, I think there's this common misconception that all an agent will do is stick a property on a portal and that's what sells it. Absolutely. So, Simon, you you look like you've got something to say here. <laughs> I mean, it's a really good insight from Jonathan there in terms of it's such a people driven business. It was a real eye opener to me. Now, I come from financial services where essentially you've passed down mandates from the head office like tablets of stone and the people in the branches must do what they're told. And essentially their job is to process orders, essentially, and often now done in call centers. This comes down to someone's most valuable asset. It's their home, both the one being bought and the one being sold. There's more than one person in it. Jonathan doesn't own any property in the relationship. He's literally a, mar a marriage broker between different relationships and trying to navigate multiple people to try and make that one work. And I think where PropTech's come in, I mean, PropTech does a lot of what we did manually. I mean, I remember my first job, there wasn't a computer on my desk. You know, now I couldn't go to a, an office without there being a computer on my desk and attached to the internet and social media. Um, but the thing there is that what technology's done, I think it's an amplifier, but actually it's often amplified the bad stuff as well. Mm -hmm, absolutely it's made it easier to for people to spout more rubbish out into the ether and it hasn't necessarily driven quality so while for good agents they've absolutely used it to enable them to be more efficient to reach more people to have broader audiences and reach more people more effectively more often which is all great for brand it's also allowed bad agents to just spread nonsense into the market 
chase clicks and actually hasn't really helped the reputation of the industry. So, and I think you said a moment ago, Peter, it's quite an important point in terms of the locality. I think the point that Jonathan was making, I'd like to really emphasize, it's almost like their niche. It can be a geographic group. So it's like your local community and you get the local agent will often be the strongest in a local area, or it can be a demographic group, such as Fine and Country that targets the more well, the more well off, the more prime properties. And you find this divide is nationally, if you look at the like market share, it's very much that niche brands that go for niche demographics have good market share. They do well, the kind of market share you'd expect from market leaders. Overall, all brands make no impact as a large percentage of the UK. It is the local agent who's really dominant in their niche yeah. that becomes the dominant agent. So it's a really people-driven business where it's the reputation of that agent that makes it happen, whether it's a geographic or a demographic group. Um, technology, it amplifies, but I think what it's actually done is amplified a lot of bad stuff as well. Mm. It's made quite a lot of agents be quite lazy. You know, yeah. It's almost like put it on a portal and pray. Yes. And I guess some of that, though, is around education and, and the marketing maturity. And, and these things have moved quite fast and often brands haven't invested in their lo local partners to get them up to the place where they need to be. They kind of can be left to their own devices. Um, and, and that is something that really is a, is a huge missed opportunity because you want to, in effect, bring all your local partners up to the to the same level to uh, follow best practice and to be consistent in the way in which they're uh, using this various technologies that are available to them. Where exactly do you feel that the brand falls into that whole bit of getting the right sellers to come and have their properties on your books? And, and how important is it to have that consistency and for, 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 for there to be a national brand that you're very much part of? What, what part does that play, John? So, um, look, I, I think that it's, it, it's twofold. It's a, a combination of brand and person. A brand doesn't 100% guarantee success. You know, it isn't a silver bullet solution because you could, it, it, it's like having a, um, a Ferrari as a car as an example. If the person driving the Ferrari has never driven a car before, it's going to end in a crash. Um, you know, that's almost guaranteed. So you've got this intrinsic relationship where the the, 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 the two have got this symbiotic relationship where they've got to work together to, to create the overall result. And that's no different for what we do. So, you know, the, the individual has got to be professional. The brand will help you, uh, subject to which brand you're using, it will help you to secure an instruction because it will demonstrate that you're part of a big professional network, um, that there are other people in terms of social proof that have chosen to go, go with that business. The brand might also have an infrastructure and tools and processes in place that you can work alongside. You know, I could start my own business as John Hanford Estate Agents tomorrow, but in reality, I choose to work with an organisation like Fine and Country because they've got a marketing team, a social media team, a PR team, an administration team, pre-sales, post-sales. They have resources that I couldn't have working on my own that make me a stronger and more formidable force. So brand is essential, but not just the brand. It's the other infrastructure that comes with it that, that you know makes a success. But on the same token, you can have the infrastructure and the brand that's right 
but if you've got the wrong person at the wheel it won't be successful it's not a silver bullet yes yeah so if you i mean if you're assuming that uh, you know uh, in a state agency you're working within a particular sort of region and there's a number of brands all operating would it be right to feel that an estate agent might work for one particular brand for five years and then move to the next one and move to to another one? It happens from time to time, you know, for, for a number of reasons. But, yeah, I guess like people moving between sports clubs, they, you know, they can and they can move to, to different clubs or, or, or different brands. So, yeah, that can happen. So how do you as a, as a brand ensure that when that person comes and joins you, they are becoming, you know, how do you maintain that tone of voice that allows you to sound different to the other agent? How do you, you know, how do you empower them to go out and not just keep selling what they sold for the five years before, but doing it the, the unique uh, Simon route? I don't think as an industry we take that seriously enough. I, I'll agree with almost everything Jonathan said, actually, on terms of its, its brand and its people. I think brand pips the post in terms of its importance because it is often we don't move house that often every seven to 13 years I think the average length between houses move because some houses don't ever move is like 19 years so we're not moving that often and our experience or exposure to estate agents is either rare or vicarious i.e through other people and most people have horror stories to tell about estate agency and the problems they've had because if things can go wrong, they will in a state agency because they're complex transactions and there's often going to be problems there. So most people's experience of a state agency is the stories that they see in the press or mostly the marketing of a state agency is the brand. You know, we see it with boards. Boards are the most powerful form of marketing for a state agents. You go into an area, you see lots of boards. That's the one who's probably number one in your list of people to speak to. You've not met anybody yet. You know, you've not met any people. Now, Jonathan's absolutely, absolutely right. Whatever the brand has then promised through its PR, through its social media, through its advertising, through all its good work in terms of above the line and below the line communications, if the person you then meet is awful, then the brand's not going to do any good. It's literally because this comes down to what we, we're going to move away from almost technology apart from some of the digital marketing stuff. Whatever tech you've got, people will choose an estate agent because they like them. Yes, there's the rational fee argument, but there's also, I don't like that person. Yeah. And I don't want them because I've got a choice of three or four agents to pick from. I'll deselect that one because I just don't like them. Also, then there's the discussion about fee. So I think brand is the thing that gets doors open. It gets people to be, you've got to be front of mind because you know, in my town, there are 40 agencies. I know, pick a number out of the air. There must be 40 agencies in this, in this city. Um, I could probably name off the top of my head three or four of them. And you want to be one of those three or four, so you're always in the list of people you pick when you go to find an agency. Yes. Now, that's all about brand. And I don't know anyone from any of those agents. Well, I do now because I've met them. But originally, I didn't know any of them as people. I knew them just as brands. And I know there is one brand in this part of this city who is the dominant brand. So they're going to be on the list of people I will contact when I sell a house. Yeah, I think one of the other things, though, Simon, is even of the brands that you know, how many of those would you be able to differentiate what was different about them to their competitors? And I think that the downside is if you're in that situation where potentially it's become commoditized, you're reliant purely on the staff 
or the person that is doing that particular job that you are dealing with on that particular day. As you say, I like that person or I don't like that person. You know, it becomes very sort of subjective. And, you you know, I, I would think, uh, you know, with most brands, ideally you want people to buy into the brand and then you find where is their local branch because that's the service that I like rather than I would rather go to him I, I'm not downplaying the value that the staff play, but if that's all it's about and it's not enough about brand, I wondered if that's a slightly dangerous place to be. It, it is very dangerous. I mean, there is very little loyalty amongst consumers within this sector. You know, it's some fascinating stats that people don't use the agency they bought their house from, mm. nor do they use the agency that they previously sold. That is not true with certain brands. I think where there's real brands and real brand value, FNC being one of them, but there's Knight Frank Savills, Hamptons, there's a bunch of prime ones where people absolutely buy into them as proper brands. And then there's the local independent because they're at the local cricket club or the rugby club. They are sponsoring the nights out, whatever. It's that the local figurehead kind of agent person who's known amongst the community and they have the most boards up. So I think people will, get, will choose those things. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a horribly disloyal market. You know, they're mm. looking for people who have got houses like them to list with mainly and how many boards. Now, if that's changed in the seven years since you last sold your property and now someone else is more dominant, you probably go for the more dominant one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So where I mean, where do we think then um over to you, John, where do you think that line is between the brand at head office and what you're doing? on a local level as a branch. Do you feel that all of the hard work is up to uh, the brand that nationally, you said you buy it into, you know, fine and country because they have this, they have that, they have the other. Is that taking place just at national level? Is that good enough for you? Does that mean that you don't have to do any local marketing or is there an opportunity for you to be able to leverage that national stuff to engage locally? Um, so, I mean, again, Simon would probably be better to answer this question simply because of his experience of running a marketing company um, and then also running marketing within big operations within the estate agency sector. And you have what is the vision from head office and how that then cascades down to the coalface. And you have, you know, brand ambassadors and enforcers and people that, you know, will try and pass that message on all the way to the people who are on the front line effectively and subject to who it gets passed through to, it might be diluted, um, exaggerated, right the way through to the individual. You know, and it's interesting just because the tools and the resources are there, it doesn't mean that the people at the coalface are going to use them. Some will know that they're there, but choose not to. Um, some won't necessarily buy into the brand as much as others. Uh, and then others will encompass and use everything verbatim as they're supposed to and as the message is passed on. So, again, it's back down to the individualist to, to, and also the individuals involved in that chain and in that process as to, to how well that message is, is passed on. When you have a, a, a business as strong with its identity as fine and country, there is very few examples of it being watered down. And I'll use my experience of when I was a mass market agent. I would always call myself as, a, 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 as an estate agent. If I went to a dinner party and I had to introduce myself, I would say I was, a, I was an estate agent. I sell houses. 
I wouldn't say that I design marketing campaigns and build websites and those things. But when you're a mass market agent, that was one of the jobs that you had to do. When you buy into a brand like Finding Country, you don't have to worry about all of that stuff. You concentrate on the, the, the things that you're, you're best equipped to deal with. You let the professionals and the people that know what they're doing. And if they tell you to do it a certain way, you follow their judgment, their guidance and, you know, their, their experience in that sector. And I think those that don't follow it, 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 it kind of doesn't seem right to me why you would pay to use a brand and then not use it. It's like having a Ferrari and driving it through a farmer's field. It just doesn't make sense. So, you know, they are, they've got the feedback, they've got the tools and the resources in order to be able to build those campaigns and to, to build in those systems and processes. So you, you would just toe the line and, uh, and adopt them. Um, so, yeah, I, from my own experience within our business you, and within our license, we do it by the book because we know that it works. And when you do it, it, it yields us incredible results. But the big thing the brand should promise is if you come to a prime brand where you're probably going to pay a higher fee, see more expensive properties, the competitor you're dealing with isn't really other estate agents. It's other brands like that that they deal with. So if they go to Quoni, if they buy from Porsche, if they go to one of the prime estate agents, they're expecting experience that reflects kind of where they are in the pricing point. Yeah. That doesn't mean you get terrible experience if you go to another one where it's cheaper. You know, Premier Inn costs a lot less than one of the Firmdale hotels like the Charlotte Street Hotel. The service is good. They're just different levels of service based on what you pay. But the service is good. The customer experience generally is, is really quite good. And I think what we failed an industry to do is consistently set a standard for estate agents will be experts. Most of them aren't. They'll be good at exhibiting products, properties. Most of them just put them on a portal and pray. And they'll give great customer experience. That's not what the research says. So we've sort of failed to deliver on what brands should promise. Now, Ryanair, Ryanair doesn't promise to be an amazing experience where you're going to be comfortable and fed like a king or a queen. You're going to be bustled onto a plane, bustled off a plane, have sandwiches thrown at you and charged £40 for the privilege. And if you get away with it, charge to go to the loo at the same time. But it's a pound a flight. Yes. And you knew it's that. You signed up to it, didn't you? It's delivering on a brand promise. Yeah. I think the thing that we haven't done as an industry is what do our brands, sta- I think seven, eight, nine, ten brands in the market have sort of established a, a brand promise. I think the challenge is then to the point of this podcast is getting that consistently implied. You know, you go from one postcode area to another postcode area, you'll get an amazing experience in one postcode area, you'll go to the same brand in the next postcode area, and it's a terrible experience. Yeah. And that reflects on the overall brand. People don't move within the boundaries within our license agreements, they move across them. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore consistency is everything. Yes. But um I think one of the things that you, you came up uh, in conversation earlier on is how the independent is o- very often one of the most sort of successful estate agents within a given area. And I would say that that probably relates to the level of engagement with, with that business itself, because I assume it's probably owner operated. So they've kind of got much better engagement. They are a smaller local team, whereas if you're one of the big licensed brands, 
then you could argue that sometimes those are employees that are going into that and they may or may not have the same level of engagement because head office might be dealing with them differently. Do you know what I mean? So part of the success we feel of running a distributed uh, uh, network is your ability to engage with your local partners rather than feeling those guys are out there, we're head office, we fire stuff to them and they do what they're told. It's got to be much more of a, a, a two-way uh, conversation whereby you give them tools, you give them um, brand assets, you give them guidelines and things like that, best practice, but you equally give them the flexibility to do what they do best, which is know the local market, know the local audience um, uh, as well. So that to me, I think, is the sort of secret recipe. Yeah, and, and not to speak ill of any of the estate agents in the, across any sector of the market, the challenge you've got amongst the mainstream is they're just too busy. You know, I can write you a marketing strategy an hour. I can write you a marketing strategy in two weeks. I guarantee the one I write in two weeks will be better and more involved and have more thought into it than the one I write in an hour. I think people are so busy doing their job because our fee structure is so um, low yeah. that people are so busy chasing volume of transactions. They're not chasing value of relationships. Um, and that fundamentally does nobody a favor. It doesn't do the estate agents who are earning not as much as they should um, from the transactions they're doing, it doesn't get the best experience for both the buyer or the seller. Um, Simon, have you got any sort of closing? We'll probably need to kind of finish off now, really. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, to take the metaphor a bit further in terms of the Ferrari across the field, I think a lot of estate agents have basically been given a Trabant, <laughs> which has been painted the colour of Ferrari and been told to drive it up a mountain. Yes. Um, that's why they don't succeed. Um, you know, you've got to have a tool that's fit for purpose. And I think, you know, I think go back to the whole purpose of this discussion is I think what John has really nicely illustrated is this is actually more complicated than many people will actually realize. There's many parties in play here. We're not selling McDonald burgers. Yes, it's it's a house. It's dreams. It's hopes. It's love. It's marriage. It's new kids. It's tragedy. It's divorce. It's death. It's debt. You know, it's all these things are wrapped up in, in every house has individual needs. And, you know. What the estate agent do is trying to navigate between their client, the, the seller, and these multiple parties. And what we from head office are trying to do is, yes, and here's all the rules you must obey to protect the brand. Now, you can be an exemplar and you could follow that. Say you are either highly committed wherever you are in the market, you need to do the hours, or you're operating the level of the market where you've got fewer transactions so you can focus on each one a bit more. Building a strong brand uh, by, you know, using marketing and things like that does help people to understand the value that they're buying into, which could potentially help break that vicious downward spiral of the race to the bottom, potentially. Oh, yes. You see, brands can definitely, you know, you see the, where we have got brands in our industry and genuinely well recognised and not seen as part of the pack. They charge higher fees, typically. They do charge higher fees. They're able, but they tend to be working at a specific segment of the market. Yes, yeah. And there's fewer competitors. You know, if you look at the top, uh, the very top sector of our market, you know, the five million pound plus properties, which is the top 0.2% of properties or something like that, there's only a small number of players have half the market sewn up. Yes. Two of the players have a third of the market sewn up. So there's fewer competitors, you're competing with people, they've got proper brands and people are paying for quality, they're not so worried about price. Um, 
we then got 50,000 other estate agents in the market where everyone's scrabbling over each other's backs to basically get the instruction at the lowest possible fee. And I mean, one of my takeouts from John uh, really is that, John, you've got more than enough on your plate to be dealing with in this hugely complicated world of selling houses. So if you're buying into a, a brand and you've got your Ferrari, you want that brand to give to make your life as easy as possible to give you as many competitive advantages over everyone else in the marketplace so that you can focus on what you're doing, which is selling the house on behalf of uh, your customer. And they do all the other stuff. And that can be things like, you know, um, basically having all the systems and the processes and the brand and all of that stuff in place so that you can just get on with what you need to do. We call this aces in their places. Um, And you can't be an expert at everything. And when you've got that infrastructure in place, you've, you know, that's one less thing to worry about. So you can really be the tip of the spear and focus on where you can make the most amount of difference. And I think that, that the conduit between that vision from head office to what happens and the reality on the golf lakes comes down to two things. I think it's training and I think it's the attitude of the people um, you know, an attitude comes down to people's moral compass and their values in terms of whether they buy into the bigger vision of the, the brand and the business and what you're trying to do. <clears throat> and then the training comes down to, you know, maybe head office and what they do in order to help people understand the, the standards of the way that you work and why you do things the way that you do. You know, you can't just say we do it this way. Well, why and what are the consequences if we don't? And I think attitude and training, they're the conduit between the very front line and the vision at the top at head office. Fantastic. Excellent. OK, well, um, it's been an exciting session. Uh, lots to talk about. I certainly come away from this now a lot more about uh, about what you do, John. So, um, yeah, uh, thanks very much for your time. And um Yes. Yeah, see you on the uh, see you on the next one. Take care, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Talking Local Marketing podcast. You can find more on Spotify, iTunes, and Google. If you'd like to find out more about how to activate your brand with local audiences, get in touch. Just Google. We are Acuity. Mm-hmm.